Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. My name is Pastor Matt McClory. I'm so glad you could take the time to listen to this message. We're going to continue the series. This is part three. And Jill and I are going to do what uh, I was really looking forward to. It was sort of opening up our marriage a little bit, opening up our relationship just a little bit and talking about it and talking about some of the things that God has shown us through it. So we actually got a few pictures because we wanted to, um, we wanted to uh, show a few pictures of the early days. We've been married nearly 12 years. So, um, and obviously we've, we dated before that, because if we didn't date before that, that would have just been weird. Um, so it's been a bit longer than 12 years, but we've got a few pictures here. So I don't know if you can see this clearly, but this is my uh, single days. This is when I was a single man, single man doing life alone. This is my band of brothers from church. And, you know, I don't know if you can see Pastor Carl Lentz is there on the left and with long hair. And it's just, it's actually a pretty disgraceful picture of of what we look like, because I don't think many of us washed that often um, or combed our hair hair at all. So those were the single days, our singleness. I think we've got another one up there of Jill with her her ladies. We did wash often. (laughs) You can tell the difference, right? (laughs) That's Jill with Carolee Fielding, and uh, I don't know who that is, but that's Jill in her... That's Sarah Glover. Oh, is it? Okay. She's a great friend <laughs> to both of us. One of our dear, dear friends, Sarah Glover. So we have our singleness, we have our, our phase from singleness, and then we move into the next phase, which is when we fell in love. Isn't his hair amazing? It's sort of like I'm going for the yeah. Beatles sort of look there. Can I just, let's just break off of this for a moment and talk about your hair at this phase in our life. This wasn't was planned. Like, this was not planned. <laughs> it was about this long, and he had his job, you know, in, in the city that he would go to every day and um, in the financial, you know, sector. So it was really nice. He'd put on his suit and everything, and he couldn't have his hair like shaggy McShaggers. So he would, like, put gel in it, and it, he would, like, straight back, like, and it was like this. It looked good. <laughs> it was... I always looked forward to when he would, like, get back and go surfing, and it would be, like, normal again. <laughs> was, I, thought, I thought I looked great. I mean, you always looked great, babe. <laughs> Do Much y'all love. appreciate knowing Much that? Much love. <laughs> Much love. Much love. Okay, so that, that there is, we're, we're out the front of the cafe that we met. And I told the story a few weeks ago when Jill walked into this cafe on a Saturday morning, and I was just sitting there, and that was the cafe we frequented every Saturday, basically, from that moment onwards. So that's, that's us in our dating time and just, you know, free and easy, no responsibilities. Wasn't it good, babe? It was so good. Okay, next picture. <laughs> and this is what's transpired in the interim. This is what happens when you fall in love. Yep. So here we go. If you haven't met our children, that's Maisie. She's seven. Jack is four and Charlie is two and our big, beautiful world that we have now, which is awesome. Have we got any more pictures, or is that it? That's it. That's it? Okay. I mean, we have a lot more, but we're not going to show them all to you. So the pictures really just show a little glimpse of some of the journey, going from dating and then, or singleness to dating, and then going through that whole thing of getting married and now being into family life. And it's amazing how God can work through every single season. God can speak to us through every single season. So from that perspective this morning, we as your pastors, we just wanted to sit down and just open up our lives a little bit and talk a little bit about our journey and what God has shown us. 
Because we really believe that God's given us the opportunity to have a God-full life when it comes to relationships. Does anyone agree with me? God's given us this opportunity to do relationships and to do relationships well. So we just wanted to, from that perspective, talk about some of the things that we've learned when it comes to relationships, what we've walked through, some of the things that God's shown us. So I guess if you're looking for a title this morning, for our message this morning, the two of us, is Four Signs of a Healthy Relationship. Four signs of a healthy relationship and what we feel like we've learned along the way. And Jill's going to tackle number one. Yeah. Um, I just, I love those pictures because in every single one of those seasons, I think we've learned, you know, in friendship to have healthy relationships um, with our parents, to have healthy relationships and with, you know, our when we were dating to have a healthy relationship with each other and a God-focused healthy relationship so that he could set us up to have a healthy marriage. And, um, and yeah, exactly what you're saying, babe. It, it, we're actually called to have healthy relationships, yep. to live a full, the full life That's that right. God wants to give us. But just like uh, Matt said at the beginning, if love is from God and God is love, then you can't start a healthy relationship unless you've started that in Christ first and everything that you're giving out to your relationships is funneling down from who he is because otherwise you're always going to live at a deficit like the the word says abide in me remain in me and I in you and then you will bear much fruit if you're promising fruit from anywhere other than the true vine, you're going to come up empty-handed. That's great. So if you feel like in your relationships you never have anything to get it, given you're just exhausted and you're like, I can't help you. I want to and I love you and I want to be a part of your life, but I can't. There's a good chance that at some point you've separated yourself from the true vine and that's why you're living at a deficit. So the first thing I wanted to talk about um, is authenticity. Is anybody like, yes, (laughs) authenticity, yes, because we live in a world um, where it's really easy to be in, to project an inauthentic version of ourselves and for us to create an expectation from others to look at us and, and for them always to want that, you know, the best version of ourselves to be what they get and, and to never know anything but that best version of ourselves and like, I'm not bashing Instagram because I think if you have a healthy relationship with social media, you can use it to highlight your blessings. And you can go into it looking at it as these people are highlighting the best parts of their lives. And isn't that amazing that they have those good things going for them? Not that, and we have that understanding, you know, where, where you walk in and you're not scrolling going, oh my gosh, I have nothing. I have no friends. I have, you, you can go in with a wrong mindset and it will wreck you. Has, the, has anybody ever had that happen before? You're like, dang it, I need a boyfriend, I need a girlfriend, I don't have any money, they have so much stuff, I want to be at that place in my life, and all of a sudden you're in this dark hole of despair. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, real. It's It's real. real. Struggle is real. But as believers and as people who know where love comes from and know where our worth and our value and everything that we need comes from, we can actually walk into it and go, you know what, That's, God has given them those good things. Or you can walk at, into it and go, wow, you know, that person, all, all there is is look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm going to actually step into that right now and pray for that person yeah. to find their worth in something other than who they see in the mirror. 
you know, or what they have in their bank account or whatever. You can walk in as a believer and use it as a tool. Um, so authenticity is, is just saying, this is who I am right now. Yeah. That's what authenticity is. It's saying, this is who I am right now. And the cool thing about authenticity is it's not the state of your life. It's where you are maybe right now, but it's actually a tool, not an end state. So authenticity is a tool to get you where God is asking you to go. If you can never acknowledge where you actually are, it's really hard to move forward. So I'm not saying look at who you are and wallow in it and dive into the hole of despair and stay there for eight (laughs) days and then maybe come out like, help me. Just go, all right, this is really where I am right now. Mm. Now, God, what do you want to do with that? And we have to start with this authenticity between us and heaven and us and God, because if we don't start there, like we said, being authentic here is great, but really you just end up being Debbie Downer or Dougie Downer to your, to your buddy <laughs> because you're just like, it's so bad. If you do that with the Lord, what happens? You say, this is where I am, God. What do you want to do with that? And then he starts filling that space with yeah, who he wow. is. That's great. So then what ends up coming out when you're authentic with your friends is this is where I am, but this is what God said to me about it. Wow, that's great. That's an authenticity that can produce a fruit. Authenticity detached from the vine produces nothing. Authenticity attached to the, to the good vine, to, to where our source of everything we need comes from, can produce fruit. And can produce hope, which is what only God can do. Um, let's see. Let's go down here. Whew, is that good? Helpful? <laughs> um, authenticity is like planting a seed. Because y'all know I love plants. So in your friendships, if you're going to be authentic. Or in your relationships, if you're going to be authentic. Or marriage or whatever it is. If authenticity is like a seed, um, it can only produce something if you put it under the surface. So if you don't go deeper than surface level with the people around you, you know, and you've, you've got this authenticity, authenticity, oh. <laughs> you, do you say it? Authenticity. <laughs> yes, that. If you've got this is happening and this is healthy, and then you go to have authenticity with your friendships, but you're actually just laying your seed of authenticity on the surface, then nothing's going to happen. And there's a trust, you know, involved in saying this is really where I am. And the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So we have to go into this with wisdom, okay? Authenticity with the Lord is you can be open it all out, completely vulnerable, bare your heart, and, and the Lord will guard it for you. There are certain friendships where you can lay it all out, and it's a safe place. But you need to find out where those are. If you tell everybody the deepest place of where you are, you're opening yourself up for just infection and wounds. Do it with wisdom. Be authentic. Be real with your friends. Mm. But only go to certain levels of depth with the ones that God has said, this is a safe place for you. And then, you know, there's kind of varying levels from there. But when you put a seed under the surface, what happens? It can grow. It can, it can break down and create, you know, new life. Um, so, yeah, we want to live in authentic relationships. There was something in here that I wanted to share, too. And I'm getting all off my notes because that's what I do, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Yeah. Okay, so our our conviction to live in an authentic relationship says to the world, 
I know unconditional love. I have experienced it. It exists in my heart, and therefore, I'm not bound by whether or not you will love me no matter what, because I already know that I'm loved no matter what. So the death to my own will and pride in this area, you know, no matter what the depth of authenticity is safe to guard our hearts, the death to our own will in this area means that I can love you unconditionally because I'm drawing from a well that never runs dry. So I've been, I've, I can give to you and never run out because I know the well from, uh, that I draw from. So in other words, if you think of like, this is, this is the love I have for you and I'm going to be authentic with it. And you're like, here it is. And you dump yep. your bucket on somebody. You're not like, oh, no, it's empty. What am I going to do? Because if the Lord is like a well and it's a never-ending source to draw from, you're like, you can have that. I'll be right back. You go and dip in the well, and you've got another one to give, and you can just keep giving and giving and giving. And when we live in authentic relationship with Jesus like that and then with others, in our own relationships, we can actually become a fountain and not a drain. Wow. Okay? (laughs) Yeah. That's great. I'm just going to leave it on that because I don't think I have anything better. (laughs) She's the one who said to me, five minutes per point, honey. Five minutes. Yeah, but we both know that meant seven minutes and three, right? <laughs> the thing is, when she starts talking, and I feel like it's just amazing, so thank you, that was amazing. So, first sign of a healthy relationship, authenticity. The second sign, we believe, is healthy boundaries. Can we just talk about boundaries for a minute? I mean, boundaries these days, it's a dirty word. It's a dirty, do you want to talk about boundaries? The only people who want to talk about boundaries are parents. <laughs> But boundaries are actually a God idea. Boundaries are actually God's idea. Let me show it to you in Proverbs 22, verse 28 says, Do not move. That's pretty direct language. Do not move. The ancient landmark, or another translation says, boundary that your fathers have set. I just looked it up quickly in the, in the message translation. It says, don't stealthily move back the boundary lines staked out long ago by your ancestors. See, boundaries are meant to help us. Boundaries are there because they're meant to save us. They're meant to bring health into our world. They, they exist around us to ensure that we have health in our relationships. Yeah. Any other families go through the Moana phase <laughs> like us? Any other, just like Moana just overcame <laughs> our family. <laughs> Gosh, you guys really left me hanging. Thanks a lot. <laughs> that was impromptu as well. We did not plan that. Um, I did. But Moana, Moana was just this thinging Moana. They're talking about Moana. They're constantly harassing me to watch Moana. I felt like I was sort of like this Moana salesperson for, you know, weeks at a time. But it was, you know, eventually I had to watch the thing and I watched it a million times. But in, there's that scene in Moana where she has that boundary in her life called the reef. She can't go beyond the reef, and the reef has been the boundary for generations for kids in that show. But the, the reason that's amazing to me is because up until a point, and obviously the story goes on, and she goes and she finds freedom, and she goes and, you know, uh, all these amazing things happen when she goes beyond the reef, but for a time, that boundary was there to help her. That boundary was there to save her. That boundary was to protect her. And it's the same way when it comes to our own healthy relationships. I would love it if you could write this down because I think this is the key when we talk about boundaries. We've got to be very careful 
Because healthy boundaries begin in our hearts. Healthy boundaries begin deep down in here because obligation never works. Rule, rule keeping never works. When it comes to boundaries and accountability, if you want to go into accountability, rule keeping and obligation and being forced to have a boundary, it never works. It begins in our hearts. That's the place it needs to begin. That's the place it will, if it begins there, there will be longevity. It will last the distance. It actually will bring life into your relationship, that particular boundary. I wonder if you're honest with yourself in your heart of hearts, what boundaries you need to set. I wonder what it is that you struggle with. What's troubling you? What do you struggle with? If, if you're a single person here today or you're dating, is purity something you struggle with? Is it something you've got to put a boundary around? Are you, are you willing to be honest in your heart of hearts and put a boundary around that? Because it's important. I think when, when it comes to our marriage, we, we've talked about this before, but when we started off and I kind of got my first job, I had all this gusto and energy and I was fired up to work and build a life for us together. And, you know, I think I had a propensity back then to become a workaholic. I had the propensity, my flesh wanted me to become a workaholic. Can I just be honest with the house this morning? That's where I wanted to go. But early on in our marriage, we were setting these boundaries in place and we were setting the parameters in place. And there was a point at which where Jill and I had to sit down and have an authentic uh, conversation. We needed to talk about it. And God was really calling me to step up in this area and establish a boundary. And so what we did was we basically set in place this understanding that unless it was a, a special situation, and I would go off into the city every day and I'd work from, you know, from 7 in the morning till 5 o'clock at night or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and unless there was something specific that I had to go and do, that was well flagged in our, in our family, Jill knew about it well ahead of time, that I wouldn't just morph my work, my work life into my family life. There was a clear boundary in place. There was a clear boundary, and yeah, from time to time, I'd have to go to a work function. From time to time, I'd have to go to church and do something at church, and from time to time, Jill would have to do the same thing. But we established a boundary in our marriage and in our lives that I believe God honored because we honored what He brought into our lives, which was family, as well as work. See, no one in here is saying you shouldn't work. In fact, if you don't work, you're in trouble. <laughs> Everybody needs to work. Everybody needs to... And I, I definitely needed... I wanted to build a life. I was serious about work. And I still am serious about work. But I needed to establish a boundary, which was important. Does that make sense this morning? We've got to establish Also, motherhood boundaries. counts as work, just FYI. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Harder work. So we had to figure out what was off limits and what was, what was not. But I believe it starts by knowing your heart, setting healthy boundaries in your life, and then watching God give you a healthy soul. In fact, in, in uh, 3 John chapter 1, uh, this is obviously John again speaking to, uh, he, he sort of greets Gaius at the start of the letter and he says this, in the New King James, I love what he says, he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So in other words, I'm praying that you enjoy a healthy and whole life just as your healthy soul prospers. See, I believe there's a parallel between us having a good, healthy, full life and our soul being healthy as well. There's a direct parallel. Don't let the enemy tell you there's not. And then you can run to some place in your life where you run out of gas 
and all of a sudden you don't have a healthy soul anymore. God wants us to live in health and have healthy boundaries. So I wanted this morning to give us five quick sub-points on healthy boundaries, because boundaries are important. It's a dirty word, but we need to, we need to address this in our lives. So sub-point number one about healthy boundaries is this, you've got to search your heart. You've got to search your heart first and then establish your boundaries. Paul talked about what's beneficial, not necessarily what's permissible. You can get anything by the keeper. You can get anything by the umpire. You can spin it any way you want, and you can get that thing to fly, but is it truly beneficial to you? Is it beneficial to your relationship? Is it beneficial to your life? So we've got to search our heart for what truly is beneficial. When it comes to boundaries, we need to spend more time with God. I believe that's a boundary that should extend over time. I don't think that we ever get to a point in you know, maturity as a Christian where we need to spend less time with God or we need to read His Word less. I believe that boundary should extend in our lives. So we need to spend more time with God. When it comes to boundaries, we need to take God-designed rest. When it comes to boundaries, there are people in here today and you are doing too much. Your family's doing too much. You're running around like headless chickens doing too much. We need to take what God has given us, which is a Sabbath, and establish that rhythm in our lives. Where we take take, take a day off. Take time off. Let God establish that rhythm. And the last one is this, walk towards what is holy. When it comes to boundaries, we should always walk towards godliness, which equals. Healthy sign was authenticity. The second was boundaries. And the third is this, consistent communication. It's a healthy sign of healthy relationships. Anyone believe me? Consistent communication is one of the best kept secrets. (laughs) No one's talking about it, but we need to communicate. A healthy relationship has this common feature. There is consistent communication. I don't know if you've ever come across an older couple that you kind of revere or you admire when it comes to their marriage, the Christian couple, but one thing you'll always notice is this communication, this constant communication. They're speaking to each other. They're talking to each other. Even, if, even in the little things, there's consistent communication. Because as a man, I am so prone to just wanting to be quiet. Any men with me in that? Sometimes I get home from a day of work and I just want to talk to no one. <laughs> I just want to be myself. I just want to be by myself. Sometimes I do, and there are definitely times I need to go and spend time by myself. But when it comes to my marriage, that is not going to help me. That is not going to help me. It's going to hurt my marriage. So I have to consistently communicate. I'd love it if you could write this down. In any relationship, at any level, distance creates distortion. Yeah, that's true. Or a lack of communication, which you could, you could call distance, a lack of communication, when you just feel like, oh, I just feel distant from that person. You ever heard someone say that to you? I just feel distant from you. I don't feel close to you. Distance or a lack of communication will always create distortion. And I'll take it a level level further. The enemy will use it. The enemy will use it to get into your marriage. He will use it to get into your head. He will get it, he'll, he'll try to get it in your spirit. And you'll begin to think things like this man, I wonder if they love me anymore. Oh man, I haven't heard from that person. I wonder if they care about me anymore. Even when you talk about the church. That's why it's so important to be in church every single week, because distance creates distortion. And so we can be out there in the world, and all of a sudden it's like, man, I haven't heard from anyone in church. Well, the truth is, you just haven't been in church. 
And distance creates distortion. I begin to think things that just aren't true. And the enemy loves to go there. He loves to take us there. He loves to lead us there. So it's important that we communicate in our marriages, in our relationships. And something else we've also figured out, and I believe God has shown this, that we are not like any other couple. From time to time, I like to call them robust conversations that we have, slash arguments. I like to call them robust conversations, disagreements, if you will. But one thing we've learned along the way, and we've had our fair share, is that we would prefer to fight for our marriage, not against each other. For our relationship, not against our relationship. For our children, not against our children. For our friends. I wonder if you could take that attitude just today, if that's one thing you leave this place with today. When you have an argument with your spouse, or you have an argument with your, with your, uh, your friends. Why not take the position or the posture, you know what, I'm going to fight for this marriage. Together, why don't we fight for our relationship? It'll change the way you communicate. It'll change the way you talk to each other. Because all of a sudden, it's like, no, I'm thinking about fighting for this, not trying to destroy it with my words. Amen? Amen. And, the so last, and the last healthy sign. <laughs> I, just, I love that because, you know, it's when you fight for yourself, you're alone. You know, but if you're in a friendship or whatever, and, you know, I even think of how I tell my children, treat each other how you want to be treated. You know, why don't we carry that into our grown-up lives? <laughs> Isn't that funny how we don't, like, take that with us? But, like, assume the best about each other. If you have a friend and you just haven't talked to them in a long time, instead of assuming that they don't like you anymore or they have new friends and they probably talk about how you or whatever, assume that they still love you <laughs> just like you would want them to assume the same about you, you know, and, and just love each other. Treat them how you want to be treated. It's, yeah. so, it's so funny how it's so trivial when you lay it out. You know, but it gets so complicated the older you get. But it's really a simple principle, just like anything in the kingdom of God. Love God, love people. Mm. Treat other people like you want to be treated. Always right. assume the best. Um, you know, and that really goes into the next um, sign, which is cost. Know the cost. Know what it's going to cost you when you get into relationship. Go in eyes wide open. Um, because then when you're in an argument... Um, I listened to this. I learned that when I, when I just said, okay, I'm going to put you first and I'm going to like let this go and I'm going to, we're going to work through this, even though it makes me look weak and kind of, oh, she's just like a doormat. And she said, she was saying, you know, I'm not, I know I'm not a doormat. I'm choosing to lay my life down. And there's a real difference between being a doormat and choosing to lay your life down. And that just yeah. stuck with me because as believers, we're called to lay our lives down. Jesus laid his life down. And if, if he said, be like I am, First mm. Peter 1.16 says, be holy because I'm holy. So if we're supposed to be like him, yeah. and he laid his life down in John 15.13, it says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So there's our example. Or in Ephesians 5.25, it says, for husbands, this means love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave his life up for her. So this is the cost. It's big. If you want healthy relationship in your life or in your marriage or in your friendships, I don't care if you're in fifth grade or you're 50. It doesn't matter. The cost is the same. A, a healthy relationship that looks like God's love for us and how we're called to love each other means laying your life down 
for the people that are around you. And it, it means that sometimes some people will think you're a doormat. Yeah. But you will understand the cost of loving like Christ and laying your life down. Um, one of the greatest... One of the greatest scripture that talks about the practicalities of the cost, and I think we can really get our heads and our hands around what this looks like in our everyday life, is one that we hear at every single wedding you've probably ever attended. <laughs> Y'all already know what I'm going to say, don't you, because you've heard it so many times. First Corinthians 13, and this is just, I'm just going to kind of pull a few things from it. It says, love never gives up. That's big. Wow. That's yep. a cost. Never, love never gives up. Now, I'm not saying if, if you're in a marriage and it's abusive and you need to, like, move yourself away from that situation to, to be healthy and safe, that's good. You need to, there, is, there are yep. times when there needs to be safety and there's wisdom in relationships. But listen, that doesn't mean love gives up. Yes, that's right. Love can still fight for at a distance. Sometimes the best way to love somebody is, is using wisdom in your position in your relationship. Yep. But it always comes from wisdom from heaven. It's not your best friend told you. It's what did God ask me to do in this situation. So love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. It doesn't want what it doesn't have. It doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. Wow. That's a big one for me because I'm like, I got this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to strut on through this house because I know I am right. <laughs> And then usually I'm not. <laughs> I had to learn that the hard way. Love doesn't force itself on others. In other words, it doesn't say, um, it's time for you to come around now because um, it's been long enough. We both know I'm right, so I'm going to force this on you. You're going to come back to me now. Love doesn't force itself on others. Love isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. Trust God always, looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. And the last thing, it says, love never dies. And the, <laughs> the most beautiful picture of that is Christ. Love never dies. He laid down his life for us on the cross, and then three days later, he rose again. He didn't die he rose again. He died and he rose again. And that's what happens when we lay down our lives for others. It feels like a death to our own pride and our soul. But when we truly lay our lives down, what God can bring and the life that he can bring out of that in your relationships will shift everything that you know about what your life was supposed to look like. Because relationship is all around you. It's in every facet of your life. So we have to learn how to count the cost and lay down our lives for each other. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for this time this morning. God, I just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to for us in our marriage to be able to speak from it, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, that it's a testimony and it's a story of what you've done through our marriage and our relationships and God, we're just so grateful for this thing called love. Lord, we just pray this morning, Father, for relationships. And wherever there's been brokenness in relationships, God, we just know you can restore. So, Father, I just thank you right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that we can now move towards great relationships. Thank you that you give us the ability 
to have amazing relationships. Lord, help us to be authentic, Father. Lord, help us to be authentic with people around us. Father, in our own worlds, Lord, help us to have the heart posture, the humility if we need to, Father, whatever it takes to deep down in our hearts to know what boundaries need to be in place in our lives, Father. Lord, help us overcome what our flesh wants, but to set our minds on what the Spirit wants, Lord, which is good health. So, Father, we thank you for that, Lord, and just... We thank you for the ability, Lord, to communicate with each other. God, help us to be better communicators in our relationships, Lord. Father, I just pray that we would be fighters for relationships in our worlds, God. For the relationships that you've given us, whether it's marriage or friendship or co-workers or whatever it is, Lord, when it comes to disagreements or even disappointments, Lord, Father, I just pray with our communication we would fight for, Lord, not against. Lord, because you're for us and you're not against us. And God, Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to count the cost, Lord, like what you paid for us. You paid the ultimate price, Lord, so that we could have a relationship with you. So, Father, help us to count the cost. Help us to know the cost, to count the cost, to put the cost behind us, and to walk into the fullness of life that you've promised us. In Jesus' name church said together. Amen. Amen. You received that word this morning. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray it bless you greatly. Please visit us at www.colonialchurch.life for more.